This is 3 and 5 on SLC Management Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Steve Peacher, president of SLC Management. This is another episode of 3 and 5. Today, once again, I'm with Rich Familetti, who runs our total return bond team and portfolios. And uh, so, Rich, thanks for taking a moment. Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me again. So obviously a big focus in the markets these days is inflation and the move in interest rates that is related to that. And of course, the Fed raising interest rates. You know, the move we've seen in the backup in yields recently has, you know, isn't completely unprecedented, but it's been pretty, pretty far, pretty fast. And obviously inflation and the Fed's uh, move is is a key driver of the move in rates and you run bond portfolios. So if you look at the current environment and you're talking to clients, what are you telling your clients about your take on the current market situation? It, so it's been really since the 90s that we've seen uh, these kind of, whether drawdowns in bond prices or increases in interest rates or this, uh, this type of volatility. You know, rates were higher then, but it's been that long since we've seen this big of a move in rates. Interestingly, it's great because we haven't had to talk clients into bonds at these levels. In fact, we've seen more interest in, in adding to their bond allocation. And that's a, that's a reflection of a few things. One, I think, is when rates rise, you know, pension funding improves, longer duration pools funding improves. Increasing your bond allocation is a hedging strategy that improves funding and, and reduces risk to the pension fund. And so higher rates, both for public and, and private pension funds, has been great for funding. And so we've seen a lot of inflows, either new clients or existing clients with inflows into the longer duration space with higher rates. The other thing that we've been talking to clients about is in the short duration space. So long duration, great for longer duration liability. Short duration at this point is interesting, particularly in investment grade, since the yields are now for two to three year maturity or duration bond portfolios are north of 4%. And so we think that the Fed has actually, at least interest rates have gotten a little bit ahead of the Fed in the short end. And so with two and three year notes around two and a half to 3%, and then add spread to that in the form of securitized debt or corporate credit risk or CLOs, collateralized loan obligations. And you can have a portfolio with a four plus percent yield with a ton of principal protection. And so clients have shown a lot of interest. That's another area where we've seen client interest and it's easy conversation to have now that yields are significantly higher. You know, you're a student of the bond markets. And so I know you think a lot about rates and where you think rates are going. But at the same time, I don't think you like to take big bets on direction of interest rates in the portfolios. That's a pretty blunt instrument. Great when you get it right, not great when you get it wrong. And you use a lot of other levers in your team construct portfolios. So in light of the move in rates, how are you positioning portfolios in this environment? You said it. We don't we don't really bet on the, on interest rates, but there are ways to take advantage of the rate move. And probably the one of the more interesting ones with the increase in not just in rates, but in, in rate volatility is to try and own a portfolio that's got a higher convexity. So convexity is sort of a bond geek concept. It's essentially the change in duration or the change in interest rate sensitivity of a bond or a bond portfolio to changes in interest rates. In practice, when Rates go up, bond prices go down, but a bond that has higher convexity does not go down in price as much. And so to the extent that we can own, so for example, lower coupon bonds tend to have higher convexity than higher coupon bonds. So to the extent that we can add bonds like that, we increase the convexity of the portfolio. Another way to add convexity that we're, we've done some and we'll probably do more is moving from 30-year bonds to 40, 50, or even 100-year bonds. Interestingly, the duration of a 30-year bond and a 100-year bond are about the same. But the convexity of the of the longer bond is significantly higher, with rate volatility higher, or if rate with rates rising to the extent that we can add income and convexity to a portfolio, the return profile improves greatly. 
And a couple other things we've been up to. I mean, another way to add convexity is, is in the mortgage securitized market. Pass-throughs are a big part of the bond market, but they have very negative convexity. So they actually go down faster in price as interest rates rise than a bond with positive convexity. And so finding securitized credits that have a better profile versus mortgage pass-throughs as it relates to convexities is a great way to add return as well. Yeah, maybe one other thought from a credit investor, what sectors will fundamentally be better off in a higher rate environment and financials are probably the most obvious and certainly insurance companies and, and such benefit from higher interest rates. And uh, so we've seen the fundamental picture improve for financials despite wider credit spreads in general. You know, it's always important, I think, in markets when you see a strong consensus in a given direction for an important variable to stop and think about what are reasons why that may not play out. And, and the consensus view is often very much influenced by recentivity in the market. So recently we've seen rates rise. That's been a counter trend to last few decades. So it feels to me like there either is a consensus building that rates are going to keep rising. So what's the opposite argument? What's the argument that in fact, that's not going to be the case that rates are actually going to turn around and go back down? Interesting. I, I mean, we think that probably as good a chance of rates falling from here as, as rising, despite the inflation picture, which is pretty poor in the short run. And maybe we can sort of figure in inflation into the thinking. I mean, one thing is, and I sort of mentioned it earlier, short-term rates have already risen are way ahead of the Fed. And they're probably pricing in 10 or 11 moves by the Fed. You're already getting a pretty high yield and probably pretty good principal protection from the short duration space. In fact, you can make the case that, that it's gone too far and that rates could actually fall in the short end to the extent that the Fed isn't as aggressive as uh, as investors think. That's one area where it seems relatively obvious. If you move out the curve and just sort of think about the inflation picture in general, if in the longer term, and maybe not we could talk about the short term on inflation, but in the longer term, you think inflation is a monetary phenomenon, then the Fed's really moving in the right direction to curtail inflation. And some data points to consider around that concept are, one, the dollar has rallied versus the Swiss franc. And we, we think that that's an interesting relationship to follow as it relates to how aggressive or how effective the Fed is being in the opinion of the market. The Swiss franc's more of a hard currency, and we've actually seen a, a rally there. The other thing is gold prices really have been in a range. It's not like they've broken out. So that those are two things they're saying. The Fed's doing the right thing as it relates to the, mon the monetary phenomenon known as inflation. To the extent that that's true, that could absolutely mean lower rates in the not too distant future. The other thing is, and I wouldn't say that we expect a recession anytime in the near term, but it's reasonable to think that the economy could slow over the next year or two. I mean, inflation does create demand destruction and demand destruction means a slower growth and so sort of bullish for interest rates. One other interesting point, you know, those huge spending bills in Washington did materialize. And so, you know, in theory with might be some changes in November, and in terms, you know, politically. And so the fiscal picture could improve greatly. And so reduced deficit spending along with the active Fed could absolutely lead to uh, lower treasury yields. Well, it is interesting in the bond markets because because of the nature of the markets, you can ferret out a lot of information. You can you can determine mathematically kind of what, what kind of Fed expectations are built into the short end of the curve. You can look at future inflation expectation components. So you do have a bit more information to work with and trying to figure out what's built into a, you know, a PE ratio on the equity side. So those are really helpful comments for some important and complicated topics. I like to end with these with a personal question. So you are a music fan, especially a live music fan living in New York City. So you've got a lot of venues, not so much during COVID. Those are coming back. You and I have been to see a blues band in Chicago, who I think that leader, that was an octogenarian. So that was interesting. But anyway, my question is somebody kind of on the forefront, loves music, loves live music. What are, what are you listening to right now? 
I'll tailor the answer around our around our geography. So for our Canadian friends, I've been listening to this band called the Wine Lips, and they're they're a Toronto-based band, young fellows, and they're they're really great. And I I had the opportunity to see them just recently live, but I would give them a listen on Spotify or whatever. I'm sure they play dates in Toronto, really fun. And then coming up. This is for our Boston people. Is this Boston Calling Music Festival? I don't know if people have heard of it, but there's some great bands, Metallica, The Strokes, Nine Inch Nails, so all, all bands that'll blow your ears out. That's sort of fun. And then one last one I'll mention is this band called Wet Leg, <laughs> which has a funny name, but they're a band from um, the Isle of Wight in Great Britain. Anyway, they're great pop music. They have this fun single. It's called Chase Lounge. And once you hear it, it's like a one of these instant classics you'll probably hear forever. And uh, so that's a fun sort of pop music band that I've been listening to lately. All right. Those are great recommendations. I wrote all those down. And living in Boston, I got to find I got to get more on the Boston Calling Music Festival. So. So those are great recommendations. Rich, thanks for taking some time. And thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of Three and Five. Thank you, Steve.